CTC and thanks for spending part of your weekend with us. My name is Lynn Poindexter and you're watching the three before. Each week we will take three minutes before our service to catch you up on some of the things happening around our church. We truly believe that in every area of life we are stronger together. Drug addiction among school students is an epidemic. On Wednesday, March 22nd from 6 to 8 p.m., our Bear Campus will host an event called Stronger Together to address the opioid epidemic. This town hall meeting will include an information session, speakers, and other resources to help families. We need your help in staffing this event. We need greeters and hospitality help for the evening. If you would like to serve, please send an email to lpoindexter at ctcde.church. Easter is a time for celebrating the resurrection of Jesus and has also a time when families and communities come together. On Saturday, April 1st from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m., our Bear Campus will host another Easter extravaganza. The day will include hunting for eggs and, of course, candy. There will also be hot dogs, games, and prizes. Our Ellesmere campus will be handing out bags of candy during the parade on April 8th at 11 a.m. at Biden Park. In preparation for this, we need bags of small, individually wrapped candy. You can drop off your donation at either campus during office hours or service times. 
Easter is quickly approaching, and we have a number of opportunities for you to worship and celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. Our Easter extravaganza at the Bear Campus, Saturday, April 1st from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. Our community crosswalk at Bear on Friday, April 7th at 5 p.m. Good Friday night of worship at the Bear Campus, April 7th at 7 p.m. Ellesmere Parade, April 8th at 11 a.m. at Biden Park. Easter Sunrise, April 9th at both campuses at 6.30. Morning Worship at Bear at 9 and 11 a.m. and at Ellesmere at 11. Thanks for being here today. You can find more information about all of our events by going to ctcde.church. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram to stay up to date. As we worship together today, our prayer is that you'll be feeling encouraged and closer to God than ever. Please let us know if there's anything you need while you're here. Now, let's get ready to worship. Good morning. Welcome to Christ the Cornerstone. Can we stand together today and make this declaration? That the battle belongs to the Lord. Amen? The battle is not ours. The battle is His. When all I see is a battle, you see my victory. When all I see is a mountain. You see a mountain move, and as I walk through the shadows, your love surrounds me. There's nothing to fear now, for I am safe with you. Come on, let's declare it together. So when I find out. Fight on my knees with my head lifted high. Oh God, the battle belongs to you, and every fear I lay at your feet. I'll sing through the night. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. And if you are for can be against me. Yeah. For Jesus, there's nothing impossible for you. When all I see are the ashes, you see the yearning.
God, we rejoice today that the battle does not belong to us. We rejoice today that we can rest in the fact that the battle belongs to you. Not that we don't have a part in the battle. We take up our sword, which is the word of God, to fight against the enemy. But God, the battle belongs to you. So today, Lord, wherever we find ourselves, if we're in this room, if we're watching online, wherever we are today, if we're in the middle of a battle, our hearts can rest assured that you're in charge and you're in control. Help us, God, to fight in the way that we know how to. And that is on our knees with our hands lifted. God, we thank you for these weeks of this series on prayer where you're teaching us how to communicate with you. And so, God, this, these words that we've just sung today tie together, I think, very well the series on worship that we just finished and the series on prayer that we are in as it relates to posture. And so, Lord, we posture ourselves and our heart and our bodies and our minds and our spirits in a way that we can hear from you today. Remind us, God, that you are always with us. We thank you for that promise. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, we welcome you to Christ the Cornerstone. If you're here in the room. Uh, we welcome you if you're worshiping with us online. A uh, special welcome to all you folks. If you are new today, if you've never been to Christ the Cornerstone or if you've only been here a few times, uh, either here or online, we want to especially welcome uh, you folks. If you're in the room and you're new, when you leave the room today, on the left-hand side of the mall as you leave is our Connect Central. We invite you to stop by there and uh, pick up a free gift. You can meet and talk with some of the folks from our church and find out uh, anything about any of the ministries that we have uh, going on here at Christ the Cornerstone. Same goes for regular attenders. That's, uh, that's our place where we connect uh, people together with the ministries that we have uh, and the places that we have that are available for, for serving uh, or for ministering in any other way. Uh, at your seat are several things. First of all is our monthly bulletin. Uh, before COVID, you know, we were doing a weekly bulletin, and then for a while we weren't doing anything, and so now Uh, We're doing something monthly, and uh, as you can see on the front side of it, it has a sermon series graphic and a place where you can take some notes. And then on the back side, uh, some of our upcoming events that are happening over the next uh, four to six weeks. And uh, so we change that about every month or about every time that a new series starts. Also at your seat is a Connect card uh, that you can uh, fill out and just let us know that you're here. Again, if you're online, uh, we thank you for filling that Connect card out just to let us know that you're here and that you're worshiping and whoever's with you, uh, that, that, uh, so that we can know that you're here. Uh, also, you can give us uh, prayer requests and praise reports uh, on those cards. Turn those in. Uh, if you're online, again, you can uh, submit a card online or you can submit a prayer request online. Uh, and we don't just shove those things in a drawer after Sunday is over. Uh, we meet together, groups meet together several times during the week, and uh, folks are praying over your needs. So uh, if you would trust us with that information, we'll keep it confidential. Uh, So that's a lot of information, right? Okay, maybe it's not a lot of information. Well, again, (laughs) right, somebody finally said it. Uh, Well, again, welcome, and uh, Pastor Roger's coming. Good morning, everybody. Let me add my welcome. Welcome online, and welcome to the room here. 
Uh, so glad to have you with us today. We want to celebrate a couple of things this morning. And uh, one is uh, last Tuesday night we had a, 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 a unique meeting of our congregation uh, to make a very important decision about the future of our, of our church. And we're glad in the outcome of that decision uh, that was to, to disaffiliate from the United Methodist Church. And uh, the, the show of uh, the, the support and the uh, I'm gra- grateful for everyone who voted uh, on that. And a 98% agreement in a church on anything uh, is, is a tremendous thing. And so we're grateful for that. You know, there is a 2% uh, people who, who voted against it. And I want those people to know that I respect you, that we respect you, that we're in this thing together. And, you know, one of the things that we need to do in America today is to, not just America, but even in our churches, is to figure out how to live together with one another, even when we disagree uh, about things. And uh, so I expect us to continue to be a congregation that uh, shares God's love with all people. And, uh, you know, we, we have uh, decided, you know, we're a church that is committed to uh, traditional biblical interpretation. And, uh, you know, we, we want to do that. But we know that the challenge in our world today is to, is to live as Christ does in a world that is very, very difficult to live in. And uh, our job is to cast uh, the vision and to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ for the salvation of all people. Our mission remains the same. We are here to love God and to love people so that all people may experience the life-changing love of Jesus Christ. And we do that in, in three ways. We love, just said that, we love God. And we love, we love all people. We serve, we serve God. We use our talents and our abilities, our resources, not for ourselves, but in order to serve others. The biblical model of, of leadership is servant leadership. In other words, as leaders, we, we come and we, we lead others in a place that is good for them, where they where, where the Lord teaches us to go. And then we engage. We engage the world with a good message of Jesus Christ. We engage one another in small groups, in prayer, supporting and growing together. These things will not change at Christ the Cornerstone. And we, I celebrate that um, in what we're doing together. So I thank all of those who, uh, who helped in that process as we move forward. We have a great work to do. And I believe God is still calling us to greater things in that. One of the things that we have ongoing right now, uh, a way that we can serve others, is out in the, in the mall area at the front, just by the entrance, is a little table. It's got a couple Easter baskets on it. And those Easter baskets are, are one way that we can share God's love with, with families during Easter. And uh, if you're willing, stop by there and you can... There's instructions there for you to create an Easter basket, bring it back here, uh, and then it will be given to a family on Easter just to encourage them and share God's love and let them know what Easter is all about. Thankful to uh, Ginger uh, for organizing that and getting that. Wouldn't it be wonderful? I don't know how many families we, we provide those to, but it's just one way that we have to communicate the love of Jesus Christ. So I encourage you, if that's what God's calling you to do, to serve and to be generous in that way, then please do that. We have scriptures here that we want to follow as we are generous. And 
uh, we encourage each other in trusting God to provide to us so that we can share with others. Let's read this scripture out loud together just to remind us uh, what it is to be generous. Let's read this. Therefore, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. And don't forget to do good and to share with those in need. These are the sacrifices that please God. Let's stand together again. I invite you as we return back to to singing and worshiping God through music and through through our prayers. Let me offer this prayer as, as we continue to worship. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for all that you have done for us, what you do for us. Thank you for the salvation that you bring to our lives, the new life, the hope that we have, that we don't even have to wait until we get to heaven to experience your joy and your peace. You bring that to us here and now, just as you did when you came and walked here, God. You're still with us through your Holy Spirit. We thank you for that. And God, we take time this morning to to sing these praises to you, to sing about you, to talk to you, and to listen to you. Thank you, God, for being present with us today as we worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. How many of you know that God specializes in making dead things alive again? Amen. He turns graves into gardens and streams into highways, ways in the wilderness where there seems no... Come on, I'm a little late. But it couldn't fill me. Man's empty praise, the treasures that fade are never enough. But you came along. Put me back together And every desire Is now satisfied Here in your love Oh, there's nothing
gardens, bones into armies, seas into highways. Lord, we know your word and Lord, we want to stand on it and believing that you can do what you say you're going to do, that you are who you say you are and we are who you say we are. We stand on your word today, God. They say this mountain can't be They say these chains will never break, but they don't know you like we do. There is power in your name. We've heard that there is no way through. We've heard the tide will never change. They haven't seen what you can do. There is power in your name. So much power in your name. Move the immovable. Break the unbreakable. God, we believe. God, we believe. Never long, for there is still an empty dream. 
thinking about this song this morning, I was thinking about Abraham. And when God asked him, after all those years of promising that he would be a father, and finally, Isaac was born. When he turned 12 years old, what did God do? He said, hey, I want you to take this boy up on the mountain and sacrifice him. Uh, how am I going to be the father of many nations if I'm about to kill my only son? God said, you trust me. And you know the story, probably. They got up on the mountain and he put Isaac up on that and he raised the knife and God said, wait. And there was a ram over there that was caught in the bushes and he became the sacrifice. God wanted to know that Abraham was obedient and that he trusted him and that he believed in him, that he believed what he said was true. From the impossible, Abraham and Isaac saw a miracle. Amen. That's all right. Go ahead and give the Lord praise today. From the impossible, they saw a miracle. So as we think about this idea of prayer and the series that we're in and the ways that we communicate with God and the ways that we ask Him for things, sometimes we, and I know I say this all the time, sometimes we, and by we I mean me, go to God asking for something and that voice in the back of my head, which is in the back of your head also, which is the enemy, by the way, and he's telling you, God is not going to answer that prayer because you don't have enough faith. That's not how this works. God works. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago about, and I expressed my frustration sometimes with the fact that God and I are not on the same timetable. I'm asking God for certain things and he's not doing it when I want it to be done because he's not on the same timetable that I am. He has a purpose and a plan and it has it all laid out. Have any of you ever seen a tapestry? You know what a tapestry is? It's got like this needlework kind of thing. And they're beautiful on this side, on the side you're looking at. If you look at the back side, it is a jumbled mess of strings that you couldn't make anything out of the image. And unfortunately for us, or maybe sometimes fortunately for us, we're looking at the back side of the tapestry. God is weaving the front side. So today, maybe you're online or you're here in the room and you're believing for God to do something in your life that seems impossible, that the enemy has told you, you don't have enough faith for that. That's not how this works. We wait on Him. We patiently wait on Him. 
We pray. We believe. We keep on seeking. We keep on asking. We keep on knocking. And we keep on remembering all the things that God has done in our lives that are good. Right? Because we forget, sometimes we need to be reminded of how faithful God is. Because God will do something significant in my life and I'll get six months or a year or a year and a half down the road and I've forgotten that. And so I go into this worry mode that I'm praying for this certain thing or these series of things. And I need to remember the things that God has done in my life that are good because He has always been good to us. Amen? Even in the tough times, God is always good. So God, we thank You for Your goodness.
children to come forward as we dismiss them with a blessing uh, to go with Miss April, those children who are willing to, to do that. Let's, um, let's pray for them. Heavenly Father, we absolutely thank you for your goodness that you have poured out upon us. Lord, there are times when we see a, a child who's just three, four years old get excited about something and they say, all my life I've wanted this. And those of us who are older think, yes, isn't that wonderful? Father, we just say, all my life you have been faithful. Jesus, you saw us each in our mother's womb. You knitted us together fearfully and wonderfully made. We thank you for your grace, your mercy, your kindness, and we bless these children with your grace. May they all, for their entire lives, be able to sing, all my life, you have been faithful, God, for you have. Be with them now, be with their leaders, be with their teachers, God, bless them that that as we open your word here today, that where they are, they will open your word. They will hear it. Lord, your word never returns void, so we thank you for the work that you're doing in all of our families in every age. We thank you, Jesus. Bless us now as we hear your word wherever we are. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. times when we are with somebody and we see them doing a particular skill and we say, would you teach me that? Would you teach me how to do that? There are some times when, when we're with somebody who, who has a, uh, you know, I remember Ryan when he was young in the church that I was in, there was a man in there that he was a, he was a plumber by trade. He was a Roto-Rooter man. But for fun and for his enjoyment, he was a chip carver. And he was excellent at it. And he would make these little crosses, and he made hundreds of these crosses and gave them away. And I was glad that 
that my son took an interest in what he was doing and, and asked him, could you teach me how to do that? And so we've got pictures of Ryan and, and Frank, <laughs> 80-year-old man sitting down with a 10-year-old boy. That is a beautiful thing. And just teaching him how to take the sharp knife and to use it well. Can you teach me how to do that? You know, learning to pray is a powerful weapon in this world. We need somebody to teach us how to use this. And Jesus teaches us how to pray. That's what we've been, we've been talking about. And uh, we're, we're glad uh, to do that. I want to talk. Uh, here's a question. This is an off subject. How much time is appropriate to respond to after you receive a text message? What is your text etiquette like? Now, I see some snickering going on here. Glad I'm not sitting next to my wife because I'd be getting elbowed right about now. But I came across an article from some etiquette expert. And this is what she, she writes. Um, you have to consi- consider the urgency, right? So if, there's, if it's an emergency, if you're text, somebody's texting you about your child, you want to you be able to respond immediately to that. So, okay, that's, that's an obvious thing. A general rule of thumb, she says, is the text should be answered within a couple hours when there's not a time restraint. A couple hours, okay, I might be able to do that. Fifteen to twenty minutes is a is a, a loose average for a friend uh, to respond. And Google research has found that twenty minutes is the magic number. Mm-hmm. Okay, good, good to know. <laughs> now, some of these etiquette things might rub some of us the wrong way because we have habits or whatever. But but one of the, one of the etiquette things is lower your expectations. Oh, no, that's no fun. We don't want to lower our expectations. We, we, we expect it now. If I send you a text, I want it right now. No. People are busy, she says. When someone does not respond right away, it could mean several things, but don't try to interpret the silence. The third thing, or fourth thing she says is for a quicker response, here's one that all of us need to learn, keep it brief. <laughs> if you want a quick response, make it, keep it to one subject, and keep it brief. All right, preaching to myself. Oh yeah, this one's big. Avoid group texts unless absolutely necessary. Few things are more annoying, she says. I'm not saying this, so don't yell at me. Few things are more annoying than receiving a group text, getting responses back throughout the entire day from people you don't know on a topic that is insignificant. <laughs> Finally, she talks about ghosting. If you've been texting someone regularly for the past few days and they suddenly stop all communication, they may be giving you a sign. If someone ghosts you, take the hint. Walk away. You don't deserve to be treated disrespectfully, but don't continue to reach out to someone who will not respond back. And the bottom line is when you receive a text, answer it as quickly as possible, but don't put pressure on yourself that if you cannot get a response immediately. All right, some good etiquette things for texting. You know, something that is new in the world now, maybe 15 years ago, we started texting. And before that, there are many of us in the room that easily remember life before texting. 
<laughs> and, and we had to write notes and we made memos on paper and we handed it to people and we dialed people on a phone and we waited for the response. What's this got to do with prayer? Prayer is nothing like texting God. It, God is, we have some, some things to learn about prayer. Prayer is how we establish a relationship with God. Prayer is not a, a business transaction. Prayer is not a business memo. Prayer is a, is, is a two-way conversation with God. And just like in your marriage or in your, in your friendships, if you're talking to, to, to someone who you care about, you, you want eye contact, you, you need voice, you need audible responses to those things because you're building a relationship. And when those things get interrupted, the relationship gets torn apart. Prayer is relational. It is not transactional. Let's go to Romans chapter 5. Verses 35, verses 33, sorry, Romans 5, verse 3 through 5. And this is Paul teaching. And, and it's not going to be on the screen. Three, verse 3 is on the screen. But verse 1, a couple sentences before this one, Paul says this statement, Since we have been made right with God by faith, Since Jesus Christ has died on the cross to forgive us of our sins, that makes us in a right relationship by our faith in Jesus. In other words, the penalty has been paid. The punishment has been taken for us, which means we can approach God without fear or trembling or guilt. And we can come in the presence of God and, and to learn how to live life the way God intended us to live life. We don't need to worry. We have a new relationship with God. And he says, since you have been made right with God in God's sight by your faith in Jesus Christ. And then he lists some of the things that, that come because of that. And, this, and he lists one thing. I'm going to skip it and we're getting right to this next one. He says, we can rejoice. Since Jesus Christ has paid the price for us, rejoice! It's something to be glad about. And he says, rejoice over what? And he says, rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. Now, wait a minute. I don't want any problems. I don't want any trials in my life. If I'm going to follow Jesus, I want life to be easy and good. No problems. Isn't that what Jesus promises us? Isn't that what Christianity says? Life is going to be without problems? You better read your Bible if you think that's what it says. He says we can rejoice when we run into problems and trials. Why? Because we know that these problems help us. Let that sink in. Problems are Helpful. Because they develop endurance. I don't want endurance. I just want to fix the problem. (laughs) Uh, It's not going to happen that way. Endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. God is going to save us. 
That salvation that Jesus won for us is, is a moment in time. The forgiveness that He gives to us is, a, is an experience that we receive. But God is still working out salvation in our lives. It doesn't happen once and just stay back there because we continue to live life. We continue to, to have problems. We continue to face trials. And we need God's constant and ongoing salvation in our lives. Agreed? I'm sure you agree. Gwen did. (laughs) We need God's constant presence in our life to work us through these things. And He is moving us towards some place. Where? To be holy as He is holy. And in order to get there, we've got to grow. This is a natural process that God has created in all of us. We all know that we don't improve without stress or strain. And and look at the gyms in our world today. You know, we don't have good health without putting stress into our bodies. We don't grow stronger muscles without breaking down the cell tissue of the muscles that we have so that they can create new bonds, new muscles. Now, I'm not a physiologist and I'm not a doctor, but I know that's simple enough. Endurance develops strength of character. Character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment because we know how dearly God loves us. How do we know God loves us? Because He has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our empty hearts with His love. How many times have you gone to a wedding and you've heard love? Where did that love come from? If God did not give humans the ability to care for others, the ability to love, we would be empty. God is the source of life. God is love. There is no love experienced in this world that does not come from God. Even if even if evil person loves somebody else, that evil person is capable to love because God created that person to love. God is love. Here's some hard realities about prayer. Based on that scripture, this process of, of growing and enduring and developing helps us in prayer when we come across very often unanswered prayers. That's what we're talking about today. What do we do with unanswered prayers? These are some hard realities about prayer, but they're still realities that we need to live in. So reality number one is to wrestle. (laughs) Prayer is a wrestling with God, with yourself, and with the things of this world. And don't ignore this harsh reality. Prayer is strenuous. Prayer is difficult. Last week we talked about one of the things we, we learned about prayer is to get indignant with prayer. This is, this is the indignant part of prayer. God, come on, let's have this out. This is not right, God. There's injustice in this world. And I named some of those things last night. A parent should not have to bury a child, God. That's not right. Come on, God. Where are you in this world? We've got to wrestle 
with God. Let's go back to the, the, the story in the Old Testament, the book of Genesis, Jacob. Jacob was the gr- grandchild of Abraham. God said, Abraham, I'm going to give you so many children that you cannot count them. They are going to be a blessing to, the, to every nation in the world. It's God's plan of salvation for all people. Abraham gave birth to Isaac through whom that blessing was going to come. Isaac gave birth to Jacob and Esau. Twins. Jacob ran away from home for 21 years. Why? Because Jacob, his last words from his brother were, I'm going to kill you. Uh Uh-oh. Why was Esau going to kill Jacob? You know the story from Genesis, and you can go back and read it, because Jacob stole Esau's inheritance, his birthright, the blessing that was supposed to be. I'm going to kill you. You took what was mine, brother. I'm going to kill you. So, so, so their mother helped her favorite son run away. So that his life would be spared. He stayed away for 21 years. So God finally came to him and said, it's time for you to go home. He had, we can't run away from home. We always have to go back. We always have to deal with what we've dealt with in the past. We can't shove it under the rug. We can't miss it. We have to deal with it. Why? Because God created us to grow. To endure. And it is through these experiences that God is going to work in our lives for our salvation. Ah, I don't want to hear that, Pastor Roger. It's too hard. It's too tough. It's harsh. It's difficult. So Jacob was running away. He became very wealthy in the 21 years. Great success. Great farmer. Great businessman. And you know in our world today... The practice of farming requires you to be a great businessman. There are just no family farms that are self-sustaining in themselves like there used to be. It's difficult. So Jacob headed home. And he remembered his last words from his brother were, I'm going to kill you. And so the, 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 day, the day before Jacob meets his brother Esau, he says, I know what I'll do. I'll send some gifts over to Esau. So he packed up, he sent some servants and packed them up with all kinds of gifts and silver and gold and whatever. And he sends them across the Jabbok River because he could see Esau and his clan coming, coming together. And you know, what he, you know what Jacob was thinking? He's thinking, I'm going to send these gifts with my servants over to my brother who's going to kill me. And if I see my brother and his people take out their swords and slaughter my people with their gifts, then I'm just going to stay right here. You know, Jacob's not stupid. And so he sends these gifts and he sees that those gifts are received and says, hmm, might be a trick. Let me send some more gifts. And so he sends another wave of gifts over to his brother Esau and they are received by Esau. And he sends a third wave of gifts. This time he sends his wife and his children over. It's like me, I'm, 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 uh, there's a fire in the fireplace, and I'm saying, oh, Carolyn, protect me. And I put my wife between the fire and me, and I go out the door. Good luck to you. <laughs> she, 
Well, we won't play out what that what might happen. <laughs> so Jacob has sent all he has over to appease his brother, to make sure that they have a peaceful reunion. And that night he's all alone. And as he sleeps that night, man of God comes to him. You know, you know some of the hardest times in our lives and when we are all alone? When we're all alone. We've gotten rid of all the things that distract us from the reality of God. We've gotten rid of all the things that protect us from the reality of the condition and the situations that we've made in our own lives. And there's nobody left to hide behind. It's just me and God. And that's when God comes. And these, the man of God and Jacob start wrestling on the ground. And they wrestle all night long. And the sun begins to rise. And the man of God says, the sun is rising. I've got to go. And Jacob says, no, you won't. You have not yet blessed me. What? Now, when you're wrestling with God, expect a blessing. And don't stop wrestling until you get the blessing. Keep wrestling. So what happened? Jacob would not let go of this man of God. The sun is rising. He's got to go. Finally, the man of God hits Jacob's hip socket and knocks his, leg, uh, knocks his hip out of socket. And Jacob can no longer wrestle. And the fighting is over. But the man of God blesses Jacob. And says, you will no longer be called Jacob. Now you are Israel. And he went away. Now Jacob hobbled across the Jabbok River that morning. <laughs> and he met with his brother Esau. And they were reunited. There's more to the story. But we're going to end there. Because the point is, prayer is a wrestling with God. Don't. Give up your prayers. Second point, difficult to deal with, God's will prevails. God's will prevails. Even when Jacob clung to the man of God, demanding the blessing, the blessing was, was, was there in order for God's will to prevail in humanity. And Jacob was the pathway for that. So God has a plan for your life, too. God has a purpose for you. Let's go to Mark chapter 14, verses 32 to 36. And this is Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane the night when He's going to be crucified. And He, and he <coughs> the Son of God, is wrestling in the garden with His heavenly Father. Let's listen to what Jesus says. They, the disciples, went to the olive grove called Gethsemane. And Jesus said, You sit here while I go and pray. So He took Peter and James and John with Him, and He, came, he became deeply troubled and distressed. Now this is not just a headache that Jesus is having. 
This is not just an annoyance. This is a full body distress. This is, this is a panic attack that Jesus is having. He is, he is in full distress. His blood pressure is at the top. And he says to James, Peter, and John, stay here and watch with me. And they're probably thinking, watch for what, Jesus? What's going on? And then Jesus went a little farther and he fell to the ground. I think, you know, other, other, this, is, this is Mark's telling of the story. And Mark is always a harsh and abrupt in as he tells his gospel. And he says, he says it, Jesus fell. Now we like to think Jesus just calmly, I'm going to go over here and it's nice and quiet and here's a rock that I can kneel against and I'm going to talk to my son. No, Jesus fell to the ground. Boom. Probably laid out prostrate. Face in the dirt. Legs straight behind him. There is nothing I can do, God. Oh, God, I am helpless. And he says, Abba, Father. Those words in our language today are daddy. Picture a child in pain, crying not knowing who to turn to, where to go, crying out, Mommy, Daddy. Jesus is crying out. He says, Father, Daddy, everything is possible with you. Please take this cup of suffering from me. And as we read this year after year, when we get close to Easter, or maybe even a Palm Sunday, we read Please take this cup away from me, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. And we, we, move, we move very quickly from the request to take this suffering to me to the, yet I want your will to be done. I suspect Jesus had a long pause between take this cup from me <laughs> and your will be done. And I think we need to make that pause in our lives, too. Because oftentimes, we have to simply surrender ourselves and stay hanging in that silence as we wait for God to answer our request. I don't want to do this anymore, God. I'm sick of this pain. I'm sick of this suffering. I'm sick of this distress in my family, God. Take it away. You haven't taken it away yet, God. When are you going to take it away, God? Oh, God. I know. I get it. I don't know how you'll do it. I know. I trust you. I surrender to your will, God. Give me now the strength to endure what you're asking me to go through. Your will be done, not mine. Wrestle. Surrender to God's will, not yours. And the third uncomfortable truth about prayer is this. God's silence does not equal God's absence. 
God was fully present with Jacob. In the email that I sent out yesterday, I talked about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Three from Daniel, from the book of Daniel, chapter three. Three young Jewish leaders in Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom. They were three young, wise Jewish leaders who Nebuchadnezzar had appointed to leadership positions in the community, in his kingdom. This evil, this evil king who demanded that everybody in his kingdom bow down and worship him as God. And these three leaders that were appointed by Nebuchadnezzar said, we know you appointed us. We know you're the king. But you are not God, and we will not bow down to you. And he said, if you don't bow down to me, I will throw you into that fire. They refused to bow down. You know they prayed, God, save us from this. Thinking God is going to intervene somehow so that we don't get tossed into that fire. But God did not do that. God allowed them to be bound. God allowed them to be carried to the edge of the pit with a fiery furnace in it that he made sure was going to incinerate. And the Bible says that the the soldiers who threw them in were killed from the heat of the fire. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego prayed, God, but they declared, if you throw us into this fire, the God we worship will save us. And they trusted God still allowed them to be thrown into the fire. Again, (laughs) the uncomfortable truth about prayer. God will allow us to be tested, to be tempted, to go through very difficult things. But it builds endurance, character, hope that does not disappoint. Yes, we pray, God, deliver us from evil evil is all around us. Trust Jesus. Trust God. Live for Him. Declare like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did, our God will save us when I don't know. And so they were thrown into the pit and Nebuchadnezzar looked in and he saw there are not three in the fire burning up. There are four people walking around. Jesus had met them. Jesus had saved them. Now, we'd say, that's, oh, that's just a fairy tale, Pastor Roger. Just a fairy tale. And when you say that, you weaken it of its power. When you say Jesus didn't really raise from the dead, his bones are just someplace. We just haven't found them. You weaken the truth. You ignore the truth. God is God will prevails. He invites you to come and participate in the world and the life that He has for you. All have sinned and fallen short of God's standard that we have for us, but Jesus Christ has come to forgive us, to lead us. And we come to Jesus and we say, Oh Jesus, teach me to pray so I can be like you. 
I'm going to be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego so that I can have that hope, so that I can endure this, so I can have the character, and you will not disappoint us. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego walked out of the fire. The Bible says they didn't even smell like smoke. <laughs> God's done. Jesus said you will do greater things than these. And in the thousands of years since Jesus, we certainly have seen greater things than these. You can trust Jesus. Let's take time to pray today. And I don't know what you need to pray for, what you need to pray about. But I invite you to stand with me as we as we sing and as we pray. And I invite you to come to the platform here. Maybe there's something that God is speaking to you. Maybe you are going through a problem. I just invite you to come here, kneel here or stand here and just pray. Just say, God, I don't even know what to say. But in that moment, the Holy Spirit will come to you and, and, and give you the thoughts. Or, or maybe he won't, but the Holy Spirit will pray for you for that situation. If you want somebody to pray with you, I encourage you to go to the, one of the back corner to one of the prayer stations where there are people already ready to pray with you. You don't have to tell them your situation. You can just say, just pray for me. And they'll be glad to pray with you. God fills us. Paul says, how do we know God loves us? Because He fills us with His Holy Spirit, with God's love for us. Let's sing together as we pray, and I invite you to come. Heavenly Father, Daddy, we love you. We know you love us. Help us surrender ourselves to your will whatever situation we're facing to trust in you but help us to confess our sin to you and to say I do believe Jesus that you died on the cross to forgive me of my sins and Jesus I want that hope of everlasting life I want that sense of purpose and fulfillment that Pastor Roger is describing I need that in my life I've been so discouraged. I don't know which way to go. Well, let this be a time of open and honest prayer. We're, we're, we're in this room together, God, but you're speaking to each one of us one-on-one as if we're alone with you. Let us not miss this opportunity to speak to you. In Jesus' name. So we pour out.
wrestle with you in prayer, specifically, Lord, about those prayers that are yet unanswered. We pray that you would give us faith to continue to ask and to continue to seek and continue to knock. Continue to remember your goodness, the things that you've done for us before, and to know that you love us more than anything. So, Lord, today we yield to your will and we give you praise. Lord, in the waiting we will praise you. In the anticipation, we will praise you. In the anxiety, we will praise you. In the frustration, we will praise you. Lord, in everything, we will give you praise. Because that's what you created us for. So, Lord, as we go today, we pray that your praise will be on our heart and on our lips. 
as we wrestle with you, give us faith to believe for it. In the name of Jesus, and everybody said, Amen. So I say a word as we as we continue to to uh, the music will continue in this room, uh, and uh, you're welcome to continue in prayer as you're here. Uh, but we're going to celebrate baptism out in the mall, and so I encourage you when when you go out and just kind of turn around and. And uh, we'll celebrate baptism of of two young people. And I invite you to do that. But in here, uh, continue to worship, continue to pray as the Lord leads you. Thank you.